Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I like to say that hair is a woman's best accessory. And thanks to my friends at Way, they make it possible to have good hair days every day. Let me tell you, Way's hair oil has become a game changer in my hair care routine. So if you're ready to have good hair days every single day, you got to check out Way. Head over to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com to check out their products. And here's a little treat for you guys use the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off your purchase. Yep, the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heel Squad for 15% off. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey and Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menino. Welcome to Better Together. Not going to be as fun as yesterday, guys, but... It's going to be more fun. It's a whole new day. It's hump day. Hey. No music. <laughs> I need to create buttons. You know, you know what I'm like? I'm like, I'm in it and I'm like, it's hump day. And I was like, oh, he's going to kick some music in. It's going to be amazing. And then I was like... <laughs> I failed you. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I need to create like some basic tracks that we can yes. have for the moods. Yes. Like clouds moving across the sky. I, whatever. <laughs> I'm into anything. Um, welcome back, guys. Thanks for being with us. It is May 6th, 2020. Our quote of the day. Everyone has inside of him a piece of good news. The good news is that you don't know how great you can be, how much you can love what you can accomplish, 
and what your potential is. I love this quote. That is by Anne Frank. Good one. Very good one. Figured it fit for today. We're talking uh, talking good news today. A lot of it. We are. We are. We have the founder of the Good News Movement on the show today. I'm very excited to talk to Michelle Figueroa, a fellow uh, first gen, a fellow uh, Bostonian. Uh, before we get to that, thank you guys, of course, for being with us here every day. This started as uh, our sane kind of hour where we expanded the show a couple more days a week so that we could be together. And now it's kind of like becoming normal. <laughs> right? We're in the swing of things now. Well, now it's like, okay, like we're daily now? <laughs> like at, at first, like I thought maybe it would be like a two-week thing. So we're two months in. And uh, the coronavirus isn't really going anywhere. Is anyone else having nightmares like or waking up, grinding your teeth and thinking of murder hornets coming at you or the people you love or the animals you love? Is it just me? I think I mean, I think there's people out there. But for now, yeah, that's just you. Yeah, I I feel like I have this um, this thing where everything that's going on in our day is so kind of obsessively in my brain that I can't deprogram at night. And so like I wake up and I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll see a vision of them coming at me or I'll see a vision of them going at max. And then, and, and then how am I going to kill it? So like last night I was obsessed with how would I kill the murder hornet if it was coming at me? Cause it's like a hand coming at you. Oh God. <laughs> right. So I'm visualizing a hand. You can't really swat it. You can't run from it. Cause it feels like almost like a superhero. Like no matter what you do, I dove into the pool at one point in my mind, by the way, this is all in my brain. So maybe I'm like crazy, but whatever. I dove into the pool and it like, it dove in with me and it got me in the water. And, wow. and, and then, but these aren't real dreams. These are me awake dreaming, like kind of envisioning what it could be. Like I'm always thinking in my head, how would I get out of a scenario? You're running right? like situational, um, what would what would you call that? Situational. Like exercises. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I always think, okay, if someone, you know, broke into the house, what would I do? Like I'll obsessively think about how I'm going to handle things and what my plans are and whatever until I get something that I'm comfortable with. So right now I'm not really comfortable with what my solution is to the murder hornets. And so I was like, okay, let me just be like everybody else and just be blissfully unaware that they're here or be like, it's not going to be a problem. Why are we stressing about it? So then I'd try that and I would like tell my body to calm down and then the murder hornets would come back. And I'm like, okay, I can always have one of those electric fly swatters in my hand. You know, those ones that like electrocute them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll, I'll whack it with that. And I'm like, but what if that's not enough? What if you come across a Bruce <laughs> Banner murder hornet and that just turns it into the Hulk hornet? I'm telling you, I, this is, I don't know why, but this is what goes through my head, guys. I need to like deprogram all of this horrible news. And that's what this show is all about today is, um, is focusing on the good news in the world. Has another bit of good news, the, um, the New York subway got its first shutdown cleaning in I think like a hundred plus years. Um, I saw that. I, I won't pull it up for the exact dates, but I think it was like 115 years. It had never been shut down and they're cleaning it like crazy so that they could reinstill, you know, confidence in people to use the railways. Well, I know that imagine they imagine what they're finding in there. Well, or they imagine were, how dirty be, they were being used as homes. 
during this quarantine. Wait, what? The New York subway has been being used as homes for the homeless. I didn't know that. Yeah, not by choice, but because the staff was not working and they had a skeleton crew running the subway system during quarantine, uh, it was slowly becoming its own camp under the ground where anyone who was using the subway was like, oh, there's so many videos online of people. Wait, like, no, I saw people down there. I thought you meant like the city used that. No, no, no. The city okay. wasn't using it. But okay, like, no, people I saw. I saw pictures of. people. So down there, yeah. I think it wasn't even the coronavirus. I think there is now an active health risk to use the subways without a cleaning. Yeah, because I, of I believe that that was always pretty much there. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a big fan of subways. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's so that's good, right? It's going to be clean. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's exciting. I really think yesterday I, I I watched back some of the show yesterday, and I never get to do that. But um, I kind of wanted to see how everything was flowing and stuff. I was getting DMs from people about my dad. They're like, "I die, die, die for him," and he is the cutest thing in the world. My dad's the best. Coast is kills. Miss, it's making me miss my parents. I know it's a lot for you all to be quarantined together, but I'm I'm lucky. I'm close to my parents. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen them since 2019. So it makes me excited for the next time I see them, whenever that is. Where's the Costas podcast? I know. Well, Kevin was saying to me, he goes, Maria, he's like, everybody loves your dad. Why don't you incorporate him into the show more? I'm like, I never thought about it. I, I should. He's too freaking funny. He's the cutest thing in the world. P.S., Almost 76 and could outwork, outrun, outdo anyone at any... When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom... For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Any age. He's a beast. He's yeah. like Noah. He could build the ark. Yeah, he really could. He could build the ark <laughs> in like three days. He really could. And it was fun to have my mom in here. And um, I, I, I might have died in the middle of the night having situational whatever, replaying some of this too. The crunchiness. And hearing her crunch into the microphone. <laughs> unknowingly eating her crispy quesadilla. <laughs> I think I peed myself laughing multiple times about that. We had uh, Mr. Patreon and his... Uh... In his onesie. Mr. Patreon. If you guys missed yesterday's show, it really is a worthy, like, look back um, just to have a little bit of fun. Kevin, Mr. Patreon, was all dressed up. He graced us with his presence. He only is available for our Patreon listeners now. He's very exclusive, so it was a big deal to get him out. And uh, and so, yeah, it was really funny. I spent the rest of the day in bed sleeping. <laughs> 
how many margaritas did you have? It wasn't even the margaritas. It was just so much to like get everything going and setting everything up. I mean, it it was just it was a lot. And I mean, you so, were hustling from like seven a.m. onward, yeah, right? Yeah, I was cooked. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to bed. And so um, I watched it in bed, and uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun yesterday, actually. I really liked it. We'll do more shows like that. Yeah. And we'll make you do everything again. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> it is a lot. Really That's why I like hosting. You know, I love hosting like parties and events and we've talked about this, but it is a lot of work and I'm really good at it. Like I know how to have a fun party, the atmosphere, the lighting, the music, the the snacks. Like I know how to make sure everything's delicious. Everything looks great, but it is a lot of work um to do so even if i have like four people over for a barbecue oh my god the work that goes in because of course i have citrus trees i'm not going to give people fake orange juice or fake cranberry like fake juices i'm going to make my fresh juices that's a process then it's like well i also have the mints and the rosemaries in the garden i'm going to pick those for garnishes and then oh we need the cute like mason jars like i i really go all out for everything i do but it's fun. And, you know, speaking of a party, tomorrow's show is going to be equally high production and equally great. We oh, have yeah. the um, wonderful Gianna De Laurentiis on to uh, help us coach us through some Mother's Day pancakes. Yes. So here's the deal, guys. Tomorrow uh, is our Mother's Day episode. So if you don't have ideas for Mother's Day, I'm coming up with my gift guide for you that you can hustle up and make happen very quickly. Um, and then also, uh, Giada De Laurentiis, who's a good friend of mine is going to come on the show and we are going to simultaneously make lemon buttermilk pancakes. And, uh, my mom is going to be very excited about this. I might let her cheat and have a little bit. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be fun. So that'll be a good show. And now that we've christened our, you know, bar grill area, I'll just be demoing right over there. Perfect. Because we know how to do it now. We don't want to have Costas come in and cook it? You know what? I could. <laughs> I actually should have my dad come in and do it with me. You could backseat cook what? again? You know what? I should have my dad come back in and maybe my mom. Um, my mom, it's hard for her at this point because usually she's sleeping. She's very tired. So she gets up. She has her boost of energy. And um, she'll sit outside for a little bit in the morning. She'll eat her breakfast, take her vitamins. And then she's out cold for a little while. And so it's hard for her. Maybe I'll be able to get her for a few minutes tomorrow, and then we'll we'll send her on her nap away. <laughs> but um, anyhow, all right, shall we uh, shall we get to our interview? I mean, I do know there's one other thing I did want to talk about before we get to that, actually, and that is the fact that we are, I guess, reopening California on Friday in a limited That's capacity. Right. A very limited capacity. It's it's kind of interesting what they're reopening. It's like sporting goods stores and like curbside pickup for florists. It's interesting. I was reading an article in the LA Times yesterday. I included some highlights from that article in your rundown, Maria, but I am a little wary about it. I mean, like we have had increased deaths every week except for last week, and we were only marginally less than the peak. It feels like I know we need to reopen. I'm like first in line to say, I'd love to go to the beach. I'd love to, you know, play a round of nine holes golfing. Um, But I'm also, I'm nervous about it. 
There's some in some weird stuff too, though, with the hospitals and with everything going on in terms of tracking the data. Though, um, in the past week, we found out that for one, they're not counting unique positive tests; they're counting all positive tests. So, like when you hear a number like fifteen thousand positive tests in California, that could have been one person being tested three or four or five times trying to get out of the hospital and test negative to be able to leave. No and then, way. And then also hospitals are getting greater subsidies for deaths or related to coronavirus. So they're, they're being incentivized to report deaths as coronavirus-related deaths. So our healthcare system is actively shooting itself in the foot for money at the moment. Yeah. Well, and then the whole exposed CBS thing that's trending right now, I don't know if you guys saw, but apparently CBS... Um, started kind of faking things for their shoot, like faking coronavirus testing lines with cars. And it no, was, the news did that. It was very, uh, very disappointing. Uh. But you know, oh man, let's get to the good news. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing so well too. We were doing so well. We had imaginary murder hornets and everything. Guys, I'm telling you, this is what goes on in my brain. I think I should have someone test my brain. Maybe, maybe there's a problem. <laughs> you can always bring the EMDR specialists back. I feel on. like I'm institutionalized, so like all I'm thinking about is like, and I, I rage against it. I'm, you know, as we talked with Lala yesterday, I'm, I'm constantly raging against that, like bad information and you know the fear mongering and stuff but it does seep through sometimes in the last couple yeah. days it's been like mm, stuck in there and you're like the mur- murder hornets just got me <laughs> so i just was like okay i can't well like wasps are so hard to kill i can't imagine how hard these things are i just i keep i want to cry i keep imagining like a small dog, like, flying through oh, no. the air at me. <laughs> it's, Just picture Winnie. It's so big. No, that's how I get myself out of it. You guys are going to think I'm nuts. But when I have these horrible thoughts and I need to shift so I can sleep, I think of Max's smile. I think of Winnie's smile. Winnie, actually, if you watch South Park, which, Stephen, I know you do, Winnie reminds me of Nate sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Mimsy, <laughs> and I cry laughing. This morning she looked just like Nate with her like face and her hair cut. Anyway, even though her hair is not cut, I trimmed it. Um, yeah, it's it's. I I shift out with them. I shift out with um, my friend Ashley. Sent me a video of um, this German Shepherd. Oh my God, he's an angel and he's so gorgeous. And a butterfly always lands on his nose and then opens and closes on his nose. And the shepherd just sits there like this with his eyes, you know, kind of closed. And he's so happy and the butterfly is so happy. And apparently it happens all the time. And I'm like, because he's an angel. Like the shepherd is an angel. Max would rip the thing to shreds. (laughs) Max is an angel too. He just... He knows he has a job to protect his mommy. Lucifer was an angel at one point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Max this morning came over to the bed. They all woke me up this morning, and uh, and Max wanted to... I was like, come here. And I was trying to just get his snout over to me. Instead, he put his whole half of his body on me. And I went to pat him, and I, was, I felt the side of him was wet. I'm like, oh, he must have had a wet dream last night. <laughs> so sometimes if he's dreaming and he for like he he pees a little (laughs) it's like a little pee puddle next to him 
Don't tell anybody. I don't tell Max. I told you was basically my point. Little Max. Little Max. Yeah. Never mind. My guy. He's my best friend, guys. Okay. Um, now that we've turned the beat around with Animal Talk, this is what gets me so happy. Um, let's talk Michelle Figueroa. She's a Boston journalist. She is the founder of the Good News Movement. Movement. With a heart for uplifting content and a head for news, Michelle created the Instagram page for Good News Movement about a year and a half ago. And the page now has over a million followers and was even spotlighted by the Sussex Royal Family account back in January. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you, Maria? I'm good. How are you? Good. Enjoying a little bit of sunlight. It's much appreciated in New England whenever there's sun, people... You know, they, they go outside and they, they feel like they need to absorb every single ounce of warmth, warmth there is. I know. I know. I remember vividly living in Boston and it was uh, it was a brutal experience weather-wise. And the second it got warm, we were like animals. Like, um, So, Michelle, I, I, you know, obviously we have a lot of kind of common ground. You know, we've both been journalists. We're both first generation, both from Boston. Um you were working, it sounds like kind of freelance for CNN and in their kind of, um, it, you know, for... yeah, I call it permalance, permalancing is, I guess, the term. So I'm their correspondent. But since I'm in Boston and it's for international news, you know, I wouldn't work every day. It was kind of on call. So it was more or less most of the stories I did were stories that I'd pitch to the network. Got it. And did you go to school in Boston as well? I did. Yeah. Where I went to Northeastern. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So we both went stateside as well. I went to Emerson. Oh, nice. I love that. And so yeah, my Colombian mom didn't want me to go far. She's like, you're not leaving the state. <laughs> um, I fully understand. My parents were like, uh, five, six miles. Okay. We can deal with that. And so exactly. I had to fight so hard. Northeastern's kind of a commuter school, right? Like there's no dorms. So you had to go home. Well, there was dorms. Yeah, actually, they kind of uh, overestimated how many dorms and they had me at Simmons College for a year by mistake. <laughs> so I was close to home. My my mom's still in Needham. So. Got it. Yeah, my parents, my cousin had to intervene and be like, listen, you got to cut the umbilical cord. You got to let her go to school like she's going to be she needs to live there. How right. he convinced them, I don't know. But I got to live there, which was awesome. And right. <laughs> Liberty. Um, yeah, exactly. So it was it was really nice. But um, you know, I wonder when did you decide to start this and was it supposed to be it feels like it's got to be your full-time thing now. It is now. Yes. I mean, I still go and do reports and still producing so I'm still producing and reporting. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me. I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of 
wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. But um, yes, I decided a year and a half ago, I was in bed, pretty miserable with the flu and kind of one of those moments where you can't do much except for think and uh, reflect upon what you want to do. And I thought, well, I, I'm always uh, gravitating toward uplifting stories. You know, all the stories that I pitched the network were, for the most part, uplifting stories that showed the good in humanity. So I figured, why not create a space, a centralized space, meet people where they are, they're on their phones four hours a day, and uh, create a, kind of a convening space for people to see all the good that there is in the world and to have a more balanced view um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. So, uh, I launched it a year and a half ago from bed <laughs> under a pile of tissues. <laughs> well, are you sure it was the flu and not the coronavirus back then? You never know I now. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I give myself cr- credit for being a great survivor then. <laughs> so, so you decided to launch this, uh, was it on Instagram first? Yes, I decided to launch it on Instagram and, um, and it, it just took off. I mean, I think about, Two months in, um, Tom Brady, I was sitting in my living room and Tom Brady, he posted a picture of a man whose home burnt down in the California wildfires. And the only thing he saved was his Brady jersey. So oh, Tom yeah, I remember looking, that. Do you remember? Yes. <laughs> so I thought, well, here, I'm sitting on my sofa. I'm a reporter. Let me track him down. Uh, so I tracked the guy down and said, hey, Tom Brady is looking to get in touch with you. And well, he was flabbergasted. I connected them. And then Tom shouted out to me on his Instagram. And then overnight, I had all a legion of, of Patriots fans, uh, which was kind of funny. So that that kind of helped uh, jumpstart it. I love that. I remember that vividly, because um, we were having a lot of fires in California. And I had stashed my Tom Brady signed jersey at my safe deposit box. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then I had a suitcase to go with my signed football. And everybody was laughing at me. They're like, what, what do you mean you have a stashed suitcase? I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a suitcase with all my most important things, like my Tom Brady signed football, my photo right, albums, and a few hard drives. <laughs> and they were dying laughing. So I remember that vividly. Um, so you always were gravitating to upward lifted, lifting kind of content. What was the thing that surprised you most when you launched this? Well, I think also I should say as a a network reporter, a lot of times my pitches would get cut. I'd have a beautiful story, but because of the limited time in the newscast, uh, my story would get cut and it wouldn't really find a home. So I was kind of sitting on this like treasure trove of all these wonderful stories. I mean, eventually I went to New York Post and some other other networks, um, but I, I figured there's so many beautiful stories and they're happening with our neighbors, you know, in our own communities, why not amplify them? So, um, you know, when I started, I, I think I kind of just didn't have super high or lofty expectations, which was helpful and <laughs> not getting too discouraged. I just kind of was like, head down, let me just share the stories and encourage the followers to send their stories, right? Because the word movement is in the title because the, the followers play a very active role. They're sending me their stories. They're becoming videographers, producers, and sending me stories of their kids, of their classmates, of their neighbors. So uh, I think it's helpful that the followers play a very active role. And I think people, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. Right now, a lot of us are inside and we want to get a glimpse of what's happening around the rest of the country. So it's it's really great to see people sharing their own stories of people that might not have made the newscast or the newspaper. So, yeah, I mean, that's I that's why I love it. I love 
um, good heartwarming stories. And my mom was always like, Maria, people, they want to see the good things. Yes. And I'm like, but mom, <laughs> the news outlets don't want that. It doesn't sell. So I guess like we could probably have a really good chat about how difficult it is in the news landscape. Um, and obviously I feel like it's only gotten worse. Um to to want to amplify those stories you know that's not really selling in the news that's not getting eyeballs fear-mongering is getting eyeballs it's interesting it's a very interesting topic i think that more and more i'm seeing networks and outlets and i feel like everyone's now creating a good news page and and um i feel like a lot of networks are pivoting because there was that preconceived notion like if it bleeds it leads but then they're seeing, wait, when we're posting this uplifting story, look at how many views, how many hits it's getting. So now I have the networks calling me to, you know, to share my content. And it's just interesting how it changes. I think people, there's a real appetite now more than ever mm-hmm. for, for positive news stories. And I think there always has been. And I think maybe the networks were a little afraid and, and hesitant to, to, um, to transition. You know, they, they felt safe. We've got our ratings. We've got our sponsor money. Let's not mess with it. But I think yeah. uh, now we're seeing in these dark times how these uplifting stories are really a beacon of light for people. Yeah, I agree. I wonder, did you see um, Did you see, and what do you think of John Krasinski's um, Some Good News? I think that's great. I feel like there's, there's space in this good news landscape for all of us. And he's a much loved uh, personality. I mean, who didn't love The Office and his character in it? And it's funny, he's from Newton. And uh, my son was born in Newton, so... So we've corresponded a little bit uh, with their with their executive producers. And, oh, really? You know, it's great. I think there's plenty of good news um, in the world. I mean, there's just limitless good news. It's easy for us to maybe think, I've had some reporters say, how do you find all the good news? And I said, there's a lot of it. It's just kind of creating a space, a, a platform uh, to to absorb all those stories. And um, yeah, I think there's... There's a lot more good than there is bad in the world. That's for sure. Yeah. Are you guys working on something together? Uh, no, we've just uh, corresponded, but who knows what the what the future holds. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think it is really important. And like you said, especially now. Um, and, and that was the first thing I think when all of this was happening that all of us were gravitating to was, you know, the Italians on the balconies you know, singing and dancing and all of that. I think I had reposted something, maybe even of yours now that I think about it. Um, or who knows? I don't know where I got anything from at that point. I was like, it was such a shocking time. And I was like, it's such a blur. <laughs> yeah, it is such a blur. I'd have to go back and look. But but I remember we were grasping for anything that seemed positive in those early days. And um, I know like when I worked at nightly news, we always ended with a good story. And I thought right, that was, a, yeah, I think it was a nice way to kind of wrap up a show, <clears throat> but I, I do feel like there's gotta be a better balance. Don't you think? Yeah. And I think it's like a mental diet, you know, it's, it's what we're feeding ourselves. And, you know, if we consume bad news, we're going to feel kind of weighed down. We'll feel negative. But when, and there have been studies that have shown this, when we consume uh, and nurture ourselves with positive news, we feel uplifted, we mm-hmm. feel inspired. So, I mean, I think each one of us has that, you know, the, the power to, to decide, am I going to follow this account? Am I going to watch this newscast? So I think it's important to, to take care of that, that mental diet for sure. 
We talk about that here all the time. Tony Robbins was on recently, and it's like, you can feed your mind good, you know, you can let the world feed your mind, or you can feed your mind, and then you can choose what you feed your mind, obviously. That's right. That's right. Right Right now, I've been feeding my mind a little too much murder hornet, not going to lie. That has been my obsession. (laughs) I mean, it's just, when you you see the word beheaded and murder, I mean, beheading bees, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, uh daunting yeah (laughs) but day by day I guess how do you vet the stories that come in because are you you, I think you're a one man one woman band I shouldn't say one man band a one woman band yes it's a great question and I feel like in this day and age especially in the internet you know where there's it's kind of the wild wild west and a lot of these good news pages are, are are emerging and they're not run by journalists and and I think it's I encourage people to post them but I, I do kind of err on the side of caution when I post something. If I'm if I'm doubtful about a story, I won't post it. I'll skip it, and I'll go to directly to the source. A lot of times, it can be dangerous if somebody sees a a news report from another outlet, then they'll repost that, and then that's how kind of uh, misinformation uh, gets around. So, so I'm very careful, and I take the same rigor and process I do when I'm doing my own news story for a national network. So I, I, I take it very seriously. And, and I realize that there are a lot of eyeballs and there are a lot of people that are trusting the information that I'm giving them. How many things are you putting out a day? Well, some days are busier than others. Today, I wanted to prepare and look semi-decent <laughs> for you guys. So I did one story. I'll get on it a little bit later. But some days are busier than others. Uh, I don't have a formula per se. I mean, I definitely want to do more than two a day. And some days there are more good stories coming at me where I want to share um, positive news stories, um, but it varies day to day mm-hmm. for sure. I also love when you say that there are so many stories we would have never heard of. And I think that's so true because there are so many people that do beautiful things in this world, but they don't have a... With summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad. Your hair deserves it. Publicists running around and saying, guess what this person did? You might want to put that in the news. (laughs) Oh, it's so true, Maria. It's funny. My favorite reporter is a guy that nobody has even heard of, Boyd Hooper. He's in the middle of Minnesota, like maybe in a cornfield. I don't know where he lives. He lives in Minnesota. And he finds the most gorgeous stories. um, And he's really been an inspiration for me. And there are stories of, of, you know, an 83-year-old neighbor befriending a four-year-old boy. Um, that one actually, I think, made it onto the NBC nightly news afterwards. But, you know, it's amazing that um, as long as I have a way to receive this uh, people's stories, which I do with Instagram, people message me. Uh, I think it's amazing to amplify stories that otherwise might not have been known, you know, of of the unsung heroes. I mean, it's really a platform 
for a lot of unsung heroes that, mm-hmm. you know, to give them their, their <clears throat> sp- deserved spotlight. So I think it's, it's really amazing. Um, there was a story and I know we'll, t- we'll talk about this a little bit more, but of a boy seeing in color for the first time. So he's wearing his, um, his principal gives him in chroma glasses to see in color. And it's the most beautiful reaction you can imagine. And it was the mom was the videographer and the producer and sent and DM'd it to me. And so, um, yeah, things are really changing in terms of how people, how the news is reaching people, right? Yeah. I know for me, even when I was recovering from surgery, that's all I was interested in was beautiful animal stories. So I was following the dodo um, or just going down the rabbit hole of of animals on Instagram that would just make me so happy. Um, and and I just think, you know, it it is a really important thing to think about how much control you have over your your mental state and and these things just feed that they inspire action which is why i love those stories and you know even being somebody who can be on the other side of the camera at times too i've always had a hard time with you know kind of the look at what i did moment right but then right. there are times when i'm like okay but it could inspire other people to do that so it is good to share um, that it, it just uh, gets a little difficult. I was wondering because this was trending this morning. If you got a chance to look at um, the the whole hashtag expose CBS News, did you get a, a chance to see that today? No, sorry, I was getting ready. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, yeah. It's um, apparently, and I have to you know read more on it. Um, I mean, just reading a few articles isn't enough for me. But they were faking. Um, COVID testing lines. And so someone undercover was interviewing the nurses and they're like, yeah, they just wanted it to look busy. And I guess, you know, for the shot. And and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's wild. And and one must always maintain, you know, there's always the, the pressures and, and um, yeah, when it's, it's a really important thing to, you know, everyday journalists are out there to to, you know, be very truthful in what they're showing because that's what, you know, people are trusting. So I know. Well, and then as I read on Twitter, there were, you know, in response to the stories where people kept saying, you know, there have been so many lies that um, that people have been forced to say nurses, funeral directors or whatever. And I actually have heard the opposite in terms of lies, where in the beginning of all of this, I had friends whose friends were nurses and they were being told not to say how many people had Corona, that it was the opposite way. Like they were like, you don't even want to know how bad it is and they won't let us tell you. Were you hearing any of that? It's interesting. No, um, I, I, it hadn't happened to me personally, but I, I, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Where you have, public relations from a hospital, you know, wanting to to show one thing and everything gets filtered through them, right? Unless you have a rogue doctor or nurse who's like, listen, I just want to share my story. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging, I think, for, for reporters um, to kind of navigate past the, the PR and get the real story for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It can be. Well, even like Stephen was saying that, you know, the hospitals are incentivized to take care, like they're getting subsidies and everybody is, there is a, an interest on everybody's part in different ways. So I, I'm kind of 
gosh, I'm kind of glad in a weird way that I'm not involved in it anymore because I do find that getting to the truth is maybe harder than ever. Yeah. And uh, I think with, um, you know, with good news, our focus mainly is, um, you know, uplifting and showing kind of how people overcome adversity. I think that's been, that's been a real um, focus, you know, for us. And, you know, it's funny, my first story ever, ever on TV that was on a national network was about a girl with uh, butterfly skin, epidermalosis bullosa. She didn't have her last layer of skin. And, um, and her life expectancy was, you know, until 15 years old, she's still alive. But I had to do that, that story. And it was so difficult. And there's always also the question of, as a reporter, how to be sensitive in reporting people's struggles, right? You know, how to, how to not be, how to respect people's space in difficult times. And I feel like that's also a question now for reporters of people who's, who lost their family to COVID. And, you know, it's always, it's always a balance of, of respecting people's stories, but also seeing, you know, what can, what, what part of the story can I tell and how much of it can I tell? So yeah, yeah, there are definitely some challenges that maybe people don't see when they see the two minute newscast. Totally. Well, let's talk some of your favorite stories. So I know pre pandemic, one of them was the child getting to see color for the first time. Um, And maybe we're going to play that clip for the purposes of everyone who can actually watch it right now, not just our audio listeners. Can you play that, Stephen? So he's about to put on the, how come we can't hear it? He's putting on the glasses. And... So what do you think then? He's looking around. With people. Oh, and he's crying. Oh, oh. That's awesome. Hey, come here. Oh, my God. How old is he? I can't remember this name, his age at the top of my head. Looks like he's probably 12. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's hysterically crying. He took them off to you know, wipe his tears, and now he's trying to wipe them so he can get them back on. He's like, wait, I need to see this again. Wow. Oh man, I never saw this. So now he's going up to a color chart. He's looking at all the colors. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that was sent in to you? From the mom, directly from the mom. And actually, wow. we were the first to publish it. And then it, I think it was on Entertainment Tonight on all these different outlets. And um, they ended up. A fundraising and chroma glasses for people that can't afford them. So again, I think what's cool about the page is that not only does it share good news, but it's a vehicle to connect people that want to help with people who need help. You know, it's incredible that. when people just simply ask for help, how yeah. many people are willing to help. I mean, it's just astounding. And I think that's one of the things that surprised me the most about running the page is constantly, if they see anyone struggling, I just get flooded with messages of people wanting to help. And I think in times like these, I mean, you probably remember the Mr. Rogers quote, you know, of um, Fred Rogers uh, talking to his mom and saying, oh, there's so much scary things on the, on the news. And the mom was saying, but look for their helpers. There are always helpers. And I think that's so true. You know, even in the most dire moments, we've gone through, you know, in the past hurricanes, depressions, mm-hmm. wars, and people have really bound together in those times. And I think we're seeing that now. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I just started thinking, guys, we should have um, DM'd Michelle the um, the koi fish story. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we um we had a moment right before Christmas. It was Christmas Eve, I think, where there was um a water main break just above the hill behind me, and it flooded out this ninety two year old's um koi pond. He was a World War II vet, I think. I'm getting some of the details a little hairy here, but um, he was a vet, and the fish ended up down the street. So (laughs) in the morning, my dad said, he he called me, he goes, Mario, you got to see there's a big red fish in the street. You're not going (laughs) to believe it. And so I hung up with him. Finished my coffee and I was like, I'm curious. I gotta go see this. So I got right. my neighbor <laughs> and I said, Let's go look. And wearing our rain boots because we knew it had been raining, so there was gonna be a lot of flooding. And what we came upon was not just one big red fish. He had lost some 64. They were all over the street dying. And oh, wow. so I quickly started bear hugging them, grabbing them, and I found a trash barrel that was filled with water. I was like, Okay, we'll put them in there. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And then I found more in there because some other neighbor had collected some through the night. And so we're collecting the fish. I remembered that there was a neighbor that had a pond of some sort. Maybe we can put them in there for now. And, you know, we collected all the fish. (laughs) It was the craziest day ever. It was a full day of rescue. And then... Oh my gosh, you're the unsung hero, Maria. (laughs) Neighbors were coming together because I created a neighborhood watch. So we were texting the neighborhood to find out whose fish they were. Well, everyone started coming with buckets to collect them and put them in their koi ponds to save them. It was this whole major thing. Then, of course, my investigative-like powers, as we were walking home exhausted, I go... I look to my left and I look up the hill and I see the water stream coming down. I go, guys, <laughs> our job isn't done. We have to find out where these fish came from. So we walked up the hill and we found out where they came from. And the poor man had been crying. Like it was like oh. so sad. And uh, the news ended up seeing our Instagrams because we were filming this so that our neighbors could be watching at the same time. We were like, no one's going to believe what's happening first of right. all. Second of all, we needed help fast. And so, uh, yeah, so this, it was like Christmas Eve, we were on like the local news here in LA. It was funny, but, um, <laughs> but those, that, what was beautiful about that story is that an entire neighborhood came together to save fish. Like I would, I know people come together to save cats and dogs and whatever, but to save fish, it seemed like such a strange thing. And this world war two vet, it was such a beautiful moment. So when his koi pond uh, reopened, he wanted to have an opening and he's like, please, Maria, will you invite everyone who helped you in the whole neighborhood? Oh, I love it. And so That's we great. helped him put the party together and it was really nice. And then the, the coronavirus happened. 
it was like I hope you enjoyed the koi fish party. We did. We enjoyed. We enjoyed. Um, okay, so so there was another story pre-pandemic about um, that you really loved. Share that one with us. So was it the street vendor? Yeah. Um, there. Yeah. So this was actually the beginning of a pandemic, and in Latin America, um, I mean, we have some street vendors here, but more in Latin America. And in Colombia, there was a man selling candy and he's selling it for maybe a dollar, you know, a little bag of candy for a dollar. And this couple, instead of giving him a dollar, they gave him a hundred dollars. And it's the sweetest reaction of this man. He just couldn't believe it. He's like, really? And he starts crying. And he said, you know, it's really going to help me because I don't have food at home. And the cool thing about that is when I posted that, I had people in Colombia message me, you know, wanting to help the street vendors. So it was really amazing to to see how inspired people were. And I think that story was so touching because my grandfather in Cali, Colombia, he saw a street vendor. This is, you know, decades and decades ago. And he brought him into his home, gave him new clothes, gave him a new job. And that street vendor still works for my family and he's Aww. in his 80s. So it's it was very emotional, I think, for me and just Aww. a beautiful moment. I think people really enjoyed seeing. So it's really a nice outlet into what's happening, not only in the US, but around the world, because I have people write me from China, from Africa, South America, France, and luckily, I know languages. So it's helpful for sure. Um, But it's really a movement, you know, when I reached a million, I had people um, make a video saying we are good news movement, because we are the good news. And it's true. I mean, the good news is within each of us, we're all carrying these good news stories like you with the koi fish and I'm sure lots of stories and, and your um, cancer survival story. I mean, these are all beautiful stories that people have yeah. and it's just connecting and giving them an outlet to share them. So I think it's, it's great that people send me stories no matter where they are, you know, no matter what condition they're in, you know, poor, rich, you know, small country, big country, you know, wherever you are, there's always good happening. I love it. Sorry, Stephen. I thought there was a video for that. You can stop panicking. <laughs> Like, can you queue up the next video? I could reenact it, could re-enact it but it wouldn't be like that. Stephen was like, I could just see him in there. And I'm like, oh, God, poor thing. He's like stressing out. And then I look down I've and I see there. there's I've no video there. for this one. Okay, so two stories um, during the pandemic that um, that you loved. One of them was the exercise instructor teaching from his roof. We do a video of that. So explain that and then we'll play the video. Yeah, so I must say the Mediterranean are the most creative during pandemic because one man got on his roof and he's giving an exercise class to people on their balconies and a lot of people showed up. So it was really, it was really great. And that was in Seville, Spain. Okay. Do you have that video, Stephen? Let's see it. It doesn't look like he's on a roof here. Looks like he's oh, coming you know out his front door. This is, uh, might be per- this is actually the old man you sent as well, Michelle, but we do have oh, the workout okay. video as well. Oh my That's God. This I is the, I okay. Made. So so the old man, do you want me to des- describe the veteran who's dancing? Yeah, let's talk about the veteran, then we'll call back to the exercise video as well. Okay, perfect. We'll get so, the hang of this, guys. I promise. We were we are going to figure out life. how to get this. Live TV. I'm used to it. No problem. Um, so there was a veteran, and it was just a sweet moment that uh, he was dancing on his uh, in front of his home. He's dancing to Justin Timberlake, and then Justin Timberlake saw it and shared it. And then I got some other videos of veterans dancing. So it was really fun and sweet. To, He's so cute. I love seeing him come yeah. out of the porch dancing. Okay, you so let's go so to... Of, uh, Coast Dots, Maria. That was part of the reason I put it in. I could so see your dad doing this. Um, let's go to the instructor teaching from his roof. Do you have that video, Stephen? Jeff, can you send it to me, please? 
Yeah, you know, Stephen's angry. Say, He's I, like, "Give it to me now, Jeff." I know. I think, yeah, Stephen, it should say "exercise instructor" in your email if you if, uh, if it's I fine. Send it your way. It's fine. We can add it to the summary to the link in the summary, and you guys can see it for yourself. But I remember that video actually um, when you posted it. I think that this is so so great what you are doing. I am a huge fan, which is why I wanted you to come on the show and share Likewise. with us. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing. You're spreading light and love and inspiration. Thank you. And I think you also have that same spirit. So when, when you guys reached out, I was like, oh, she's just such a like bubbly, kind, likable person. So yes, I, I think I confirmed within a minute of you guys emailing me. <laughs> thank you. Well, how, if we can ever be helpful, you let us know. Maybe Likewise, we do like a good you. news movement segment of the week or something. I love it. Right? Yeah. Let's do I it. All right, cool. Jeff will make it happen. Um, Michelle, you guys can find Michelle on Instagram at good news underscore movement. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Maria. I loved, I loved our chat. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in Boston when we can travel again. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm waiting for that day. All right. Have a good one. All right. Very she was cool. cool. Yeah. Very cool. So- I love when people just do, again, we, we talked about this a little bit. It's like, what does your soul want? What does your soul need? And for her, her soul was saying, I want good news. I want to give good news. And, you know, rather than just saying, well, why don't these people want it? <laughs> and like trying to rage against the system, you know, don't go where you're tolerated, go where you're celebrated. And sometimes you have to create your own thing to be celebrated in, Right. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's funny because so many people are getting the press for the good news that John Krasinski's going. And I think mm-hmm. it's awesome that they're like kind of talking together. Yeah. And it's like, people have been doing this. It's just so hard to get a concept out to the public through any platform, let alone Instagram. Yeah. But see, is it hard? She just did it. It's like Kevin mm-hmm. always says, less think more do. So if you're out there and you have an idea for something, like just get to it. Obviously don't, you know, Go, you know, creating something that there's so much overhead that you need 50 employees and, you you know, just to start off, like do something small and simple that you can handle that reflects your values, your character, your personality, and, and just do it. Like that's what we did here, right? I know that the show that I wanted to do was not the show that Sirius necessarily wanted. They wanted just celebrity interviews and I didn't want to do just celebrity interviews. I had been doing that for forever, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do things that help me get better. And when I look at, and it's funny, I did it recently where I kind of just started taking stock of what, who am I, right? I'm someone who's always loved to share information. I've always been on a journey to get better. I've always loved learning. Um, When you look at my books, that's exactly what they are. They're you know, sharing information. Oh, helping people always loved helping people. So that's what this show really has become because this is who I am. And when you do what's authentic to you, eventually, um, as long as, you know, you really do believe in it and it really is built in integrity and authenticity, like you'll find your way. We're finding our way. Can't fake it. Not for long. Yeah. It's one of the things that I really connected with her when we chatted yesterday too, Maria, is this whole thing was just like nose to the grind. I'm going to do it. And it's funny. I was asking her like, what's been your favorite moment? What are the highlights? And she's like, you know, 
it's cool when I get retweeted and it's cool when celebrities follow me, but really for me, I just love the hard work and just putting like, I was like, was there any moment when you knew? And she was like, no, you know, really, it's just been day by day getting better and better with the, it just reminded me a lot of you and Kev, you know, it's like, rather than trying to cling to those milestones, it's just putting in those 10,000 steps every day and eventually mm-hmm. it'll create something incredible. <laughs> I got my 10,000 steps in yesterday, literally. You just sure did. Prepping. Before 11, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I think uh, I think if you're out there, that's this is actually such a good time to just sit with your thoughts and take stock of what you really, really want because it shifts, it changes. You change, you grow, your desires change, your needs change. Um, that's why, you know, I've said this before, I always say like, before you turn 40, like really look at life and say, is this the direction I want to keep going in? Because this could be the moment where you're like, let me take a left turn and do something completely different. Life is short. Why not like go after things and, and try new things. We're so afraid of failure, um, that we don't really get to live. And, and that's so crippling and so not fun. Um, reinventing yourself is, is really cool. I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so our our next segment, because we have another one today, is uh, a couple that inspired me when I saw them trending like all over the world for um, their social distance wedding. So Aaron Myers and Amanda Mason are a newlywed couple now who both work for the government in D.C., and they were featured in the Washington Post by Lisa Bonos. Um, thank you, Lisa, for helping connect us. Um, and they were highlighted for their beautiful social distance wedding. Um, we're going to play some of the highlights that um, we have here, and then we will chat with them. It's a truly unique, caring community, which is obviously hard to come by these days. So when we were trying to figure out our wedding backup plan, we couldn't think of a better option than this fairy tale setting. We would like to give a special thanks to both Megan and Colette for helping us pull the neighborhood together and making this happen. So cute. You may now kiss the bride. I love this. Champagne bottle here, and then let me give a toast to the the newly married couple. This is the cutest wedding ever. They're dancing in the street in their neighborhood. Guys, I mean, if you can't have your uh, official planned out wedding, uh, Aaron and Amanda are inspiration for how to get it done no matter what and still make it special and meaningful. How are you guys? Welcome. We're good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having us. Good. Thank you. So you guys were planning your wedding, do 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 do, and all of a sudden, coronavirus strikes. How did yeah, you going along stress free? What did you say? It was going along stress free, <laughs> which is not normal there... either, by the way. <laughs> No, I thought we were going to jinx it, and apparently we did. So, <laughs> so what was the plan initially? Um, so the initial plan was to get married. Um, it's called the DC War Memorial. It's a small monument um, just off of the mall downtown in DC. 
Um, and so we were going to have the ceremony there, and then we were going to do our reception at our favorite restaurant, um, Estadio. So um, all of that got put aside pretty quickly. <laughs> and so at what point did you realize, okay, our wedding, when was your actual wedding, the, the one you did? April 25th. Okay. And was that the day you were supposed to get married all, all along? Yes. Okay. So at what point did you decide, okay, we're going to go do this anyway? And how did the idea of doing it in your neighborhood come about? Um, well, we originally, uh, we wanted, so everything has our wedding date on it and we still wanted it to be, um, applicable and we didn't want to wait until November or later to get married. So we were going to do a small ceremony with our parents. Um, and so we had a backup plan and then something with, uh, the governor's orders or I'm sorry, the mayor's orders, um, you know, put that on hold. And so we adjusted it a little bit and we were going to maybe just do it at their house instead of at the memorial or at the park. Because there was this period I remember where they said, well, gatherings of 10 are okay. So we said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we'll just get some close family and do this at a very small, a very small ceremony with just our parents and maybe some other close friends and family. And then of course that changed again, as soon as it went from 10 people and less to please stay at home unless you have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. um, And so when we realized we couldn't have our parents there, um, it went from being an intimate ceremony with our closest family to um, being just us. And so we didn't really know where to go from there. Um, And so we had considered doing a Zoom wedding. um, And then we said, well, if we're going to do a Zoom wedding, we might as well open it up to all of our guests. So we decided to do that. But it all seemed very lonely to do it in our house or in our backyard or tiny backyard. Um, and our street is just a very friendly neighborhood. Um, and we had a social distancing happy hour one day and I said, you know what, maybe we should just get married out here in the middle of the street. Um, and a couple of the neighbors that I was speaking with absolutely loved the idea and they're like, absolutely do that. So we, we thought about it for a while and we were hesitant to make any plans just because something might ruin them again. So, um, we waited until about the week of, um, the Monday of our wedding to send an email out to neighbors and actually get that plan in place. I love that. And so, um, walk us through kind of how it went together because there was a woman by the name of Colette that had a big role in this. Tell me about that. Uh, well, sure. She's, um, I, I would say the unelected mayor of our block here. Okay. And, um, you know, definitely is kind of like, uh, kind of you know, helps, you know, kind of pull the, the, you know, our neighborhood together is kind of like a glue um, for us here. And she was like jumped on this and was like, oh, this is amazing. We'll like do X, Y, Z. We'll like close the block. We'll clear these cars out. We'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll like, you know, we'll like you know, make this like a thing. Um, so she was, you know, in, you know, instrumental along with you know, some other neighbors too, to just kind of just really you know, grab and run with this idea that we kind of had a loose idea of what we wanted to do. And then they just kind of really helped kind of crystallize it and like, bring it to life for, for a lot of our, our neighbors here. Yeah, but we didn't really know any of that was happening. Um, you know, she reached out to neighbors on our behalf about closing the street and kind of like the logistics about it. Um, but um, and we kind of just invited everybody to come to their porches and watch this happen. And we weren't really like making an event out of it so much, just that, you know, like, 
um, be with us. We would love to have you present for this occasion. Um, and it just really like evolved into something totally different because of Colette and all of our neighbors. So for everybody who wasn't there, or hasn't seen any video, and I've only seen very little and I was blown away. Tell me what everybody did that just moved you and blew you away. Well, I remember we were, you know, Amanda, who's a photographer by, you know, by trade and was shooting her own, our wedding, our herself. And we were out on the street at, you know, three in the afternoon, like doing some of those kind of typical like wedding party pictures that I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of quiet and empty out there. And we came, kind of went back inside and then we came back out and all of a sudden there were these kind of, our neighbor has a young, a young, um, young daughter who was would draw little like hearts and chalk all along out front of our house, like kind of down the sidewalk. And we're kind of, oh, kind of yeah, like, okay, some people seem to be jumping on this. Aww. And then all of a sudden people out and they were hanging these like paper coffee filters as like fake flowers, like like down the street. They apparently made a hundred of them overnight. Oh. <laughs> and, and you didn't um, know any of this was gonna happen. No. The people were hanging lights up on their like very like nice sign you know they, like everyone had like, a little custom sign call it and pass out all this paper to everybody uh, we actually still have a th- we actually collect the signs like downstairs we're saving them for for something <laughs> wow and so everyone came to their porches yeah either the porches or like the sidewalks and yeah of their it's houses. kind of like a little stoop you can kind of like walk out to like the sidewalk from where you know where everyone's house it's kind of like yeah like, it's kind of like narrow row homes here where we live did people yeah. dress up they did. I, I was very surprised. Um, I didn't realize it at first. And then I started, well, I think um, some of our neighbors were out setting up and then they went in and changed to get dressed up and came back out for before we got started. So um, I think you know everybody really had fun with it. Um, it was pretty yeah. amazing. I remember joking with Amanda and said, this is the first time I've worn a collar in like six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we look around and, you know, like some people are in like sport coats or they're in like formal, like evening wear, like the things you would wear to like a, like a, you know, a, a cocktail reception. Uh, it was even funny that some people, even on the Zoom feed, our friends who are, you know, not necessarily in the area were also dressed up too. Aww. It was very cool. Um, so we had a uh, little Spider-Man and Elsa um, in attendance as well. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like you guys had a blend of both of my weddings. Like I was in Times Square and like Cookie Monster was out there and Batman and all this stuff. <laughs> and then in Greece, we we did a, a wedding where the, the, the whole village kind of came together and they did the same thing. They decorated and um and we invited the whole village to come i just wanted everybody there to be a part of it and so yeah. it's kind of funny but i think um i wonder you guys had did you have like a priest or somebody a judge marry you how did that part work so in dc you can marry yourselves no way i actually am the the, the officiant of record on the, the marriage license oh wow i didn't know that yeah, we, we and had, we, uh, we picked up the uh, marriage license like just two days before they shut down the courts. So we got that just in time. <laughs> wow. Um, and we wanted, but we wanted somebody else to kind of lead the ceremony, um, which was our original plan anyway. Yeah, and I remember we met with a few officiants and none of them really gelled with us. We didn't feel any kind of connection to them. And then we were looking at our guest list and said, well, if we're not going to bring someone in, let's look at our guest list. And then my dad um seemed like the logical choice uh and he just jumped at it and really you know um, really kind of took it on and did a great job 
Wow. And so you guys are in the middle of the street. You're being married. You you know, we saw the clip. You can kiss the bride. The whole thing happened. Then what? You guys were dancing in the street. How long were you out there for? And what went on from there? Well, I remember I, I popped some champagne and my dad gave like a toast on Zoom. And then our neighbors had offered to cue up the music. We've been like working on a first dance. Barely working on it, but. <laughs> <laughs> there was some practice. Uh, a little bit of practice. And then, so you get to cue the song up and it starts to go. And then within like 10 seconds, I think their like speaker battery died or something. Oh, oh no. So I remember kind of turning around and saying like, all right, time out. We're going to, you know, we're going to reload this for a minute. <laughs> and I was like, call me with my phone. Because we, I had had the laptop that we're doing the Zoom, the Zoom, uh, call on mm-hmm. hooked up to like a bluetooth speaker just so everyone on the street could hear what was coming through the like the, the computer and thankfully it just worked i mean it never works quickly and it just kind of popped it popped it over and then we got to do our, our redo of our first dance um again but we couldn't dance in my skirt because uh, <laughs> of course we hadn't practiced that uh and i guess like it was kind of clinging to the the texture of the street oh no material um so that wasn't going too well we felt like just like very awkward um but I I had a jumpsuit on so I had the option of just kind of stripping off the skirt in the middle of the street so I did <laughs> oh my god um, and then we continued on with the rest of our dance uh, and people really got a kick out of it so <laughs> that's so cute I okay so when you think about everything that happened how do you feel about your wedding now Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was it was more than we could have asked for. I mean, I would say it was perfect, but we really, you know, we would have really loved to have um, our family and friends there to see it in person. Um, but I mean, even just thinking about, because we have everything tentatively rescheduled for November um, with the restaurant and things. Um, but, you know, just think, seeing how amazing it was, we we're kind of like, okay, well, we don't, we definitely don't need another ceremony. We don't need to do that again. Cause that was awesome. Yeah. I remember just being blown away at like on, on that, you know, the wedding day, of just like an outpouring of just love and just like a sense of like very tight knit community from all everyone who kind of came out just to, on the one hand, you could feel that people you know, were anxious, you know, they were just, everyone's at home and there's not a lot to do. So people were kind of itching for something, but at the same time, like it was just a very, just uh, very warm and, like this is like an amazing experience to share with these folks um, and then it was kind of quiet like the next two days we did our like honeymoon um at home because obviously our honeymoon to europe was canceled and then the mini moon we planned to georgia was also canceled so we were just hanging out at home and then the article dropped on tuesday and then it's like it blew up all of a sudden again and then again after we kind of just like that was so beautiful and nice and then Tuesday just kind of, you know, you got the feeling that all these, you know, Washington Post readers and people who were seeing like the coverage were like looking for something very, just kind of non-COVID, non, you know, non just like death related, non-pandemic related. And I think I feel like a lot of people just kind of jumped on it. Um, we got a lot of, just a lot of very, very heartfelt messages from yeah, it's like an outpouring of love and support yeah. all over again. Yeah. I mean, literally today, we received a wedding gift from someone who read the Washington Post article. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Yeah, you guys got like multiple love bombs. <laughs> it's like you guys got multiple love bombs that just keep coming. Yes, yeah. yes. That's so special. It seems like people are, 
sharing in our joy. So I'm glad that it's, you know, brought a smile for to people's faces for them as well. You know, I, I have to ask Amanda, does this change your perspective on weddings at all? You know, I, I kind of wanted something small and intimate anyway. Um, and we were keeping our guest list um, to around a hundred. So um, I think this just reaffirmed, um, you know, what I thought about the meaningful parts of weddings. I didn't want it to be a performance. I didn't want it to be just a show for other people. I wanted to be able to be in the moment. Um, and so this was definitely all of that. Um, but I also love that we were able to um, reach out to our extended community that wouldn't have been with us um, otherwise on that day. And, um, you know, it's like a combination of small and intimate, but you have more people with you and more love around you. So um, I don't know. I just like, I love, I loved how it was casual, um, but there was like just so many people you're surrounded by, whether it was virtually or in person. Yeah. It's almost like um, the things were replaced with like such pure love and joy that the things didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt with mine too. And I could feel the same energy with yours. It's like we, we, especially as women, because weddings end up being kind of a dream moment for, you know, most, um, we get so wrapped up in having to have perfection and the details and the, this and the perfect food and the perfect flowers and the perfect this, that when you kind of give up all of that, you end up getting something so much more in return instead. Definitely. Um, you know, you can kind of refocus your energy and your attention um, onto the things that are important. And, um, you know, it was also kind of nice because like the neighborhood kids came out and they built us an altar with like dried flowers and potted plants. And uh, there was a moment where I was like, well, I wouldn't have necessarily put that there because the street is beautiful. But everybody was like making it their own event and I'm glad that they did and I'm glad that they were a part of it. And it became this kind of more of just like a communal thing rather than just about me or about us. It's so cool. I love this story. Oh, such a great, great story. And I'm so happy for you guys. And hopefully your November party goes off without a hitch and you guys can just dance and party all night long with all of your friends. Maybe what I would do is like, up on screen replay the ceremony for everybody. Yeah. Here you go. I don't have to get all dolled up again. Here you go. Now let's party. <laughs> Anyhow, we wish you guys uh, many, many, many years of happiness and joy and all the best to you guys in your future. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Of course. Nice to meet you guys. You too. That is so cool. What a so good story. Cool. I loved their wedding and I loved getting to hear more of the details, but it's true. Like, um, I know that with the new year's Eve wedding, it was kind of a, a last minute thing. And all we had was our dress and tux and wedding rings. And I had my two best friends with me. Um, and it was so simple and so much better that way rather than having to be like, Oh my God, I need everything. And and, you know, having Cookie Monster in the back of my shot in Times Square it was everything and Batman. I mean, just just simple and fun. It was really about me and Kevin and my parents and our, you know, three Kevin's best friend and my well, 
we're all best friends, all of us. So it was just three people. Like it was awesome. And then in Greece, it was the same kind of thing. Like they made it their own. So they, when I got to the village, they had decorated, you know, the house we were going to go get changed and ready in and everybody was there to help. And, um, it was really amazing. Pictures from your Greek wedding are crazy. I, I mean, honestly, I, I must DM my friends who put that together every month or so being like, I still cannot believe what you guys did. Mm. It was so beautiful, but I feel like weddings have become so commercialized and so much about like being perfect that, you know, it really is. I, I think there's, there's something to be said about like asking for some help, mm-hmm. right? I don't think weddings should be bankrupting people. <laughs> not not that they're bankrupting you in the beginning, but eventually they'll get you because the bills will add up. But, you know, why start off a marriage with so much debt? Why not like ask family and friends if they'll help you do something in your backyard and make it beautiful. Like, you know, if you do it somewhere where like we had Mackenzie's wedding at our house, you know, she, you know, didn't have a lot to spend on her wedding. And so we hosted it at our house and, you know, my dad was building her altar and Kevin and Mm -hmm. all of her friends got together and they were all building and fixing and setting up and, you know, making it a homegrown wedding and it was so much more special that way i feel like yeah it's more intimate yeah it's more intimate and you're not again like yeah that ten thousand dollars could go so then no no no. that's just like that's like a small one yeah that's like for two things two items off the list how much would you the average american how much do you think they would spend on their wedding i think they're spending like i don't know upwards of 60 sixty thousand dollars i think so jeff do you did you guys spend a lot of money on your wedding we didn't spend that much, uh, but also we threw ours in the Midwest. So things are a lot less expensive there than they are on the coasts. Um, and I feel like we had a pretty upscale wedding, but no, we, we did not spend that much. Um, but I, I totally agree with you, Maria. I mean, I think if you make your wedding too much of a production and too much about everything needs to be perfect, you're kind of setting yourself a tough bar for marriage too. You know, some of the beauty of marriage is that it's improvisational and it's unpredictable. And I think a lot of people talk about if they really throw their dream wedding and go all out, there's a bit of a crash afterwards because all of a sudden you wake up and here's real life. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, it's also like is it takes to plan a wedding that big takes what six months to a year or more, right? Over a year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're spending every waking moment of your free time planning an event, and then once that's over, you have this like suction cup of time. It's that's like what now? Yeah. And then you're probably going to have a little bit of stress in that. And that's going to come out in your marriage and then cause some things like, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, I think that there are ways to do it where you can have a beautiful experience without having to, um, to do all that. Like you can simplify things, you know, just a church, an open bar and two rings. I just think like, you know, you can do stuff if you have a backyard. It doesn't even have to be that massive. Like you can, you know, make it a buffet, which now has to be a lot safer. <laughs> um, you know, throw up some string lights. Like there's a way to make it so like cozy and beautiful without a lot of money. Um, it makes me want to go into like cheap wedding planning because I really feel like I could do it on a on a crazy little budget. And in fact, there's a side of us that has always secretly wanted to just throw weddings in Connecticut for people because for people that don't have money, because we have everything that you would need there. 
um, to be able to do it. Like, it would be so cool. The house back there is great for weddings. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So I anyway. Um, I, I think, think the other advice I would give, too, is just, like, try to put one unique stamp on your wedding. Don't feel like you have to fill the boxes of what every magazine is telling you and blog is telling you. Um, my sister, when she got married, she coincidentally married someone whose last name was also Graham. No way. So, um, no way. I know, isn't that hilarious? No way. So she got to keep her last name? She got to keep her last name. We sometimes joke she doesn't like change, and we're like, you didn't just marry him to avoid change, right? And she's Dead. like, no, 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 he's the one. Um, but for their dessert, rather than cake, or it might have been in addition to cake, they handed out s'mores wrapped in tinfoil, and they said, this is the union of two Grahams. And like, it's that kind of stuff that people remember. I love that. Yeah, I mean, so I thought it, I thought it was cool because we had uh, obviously Edward Peretti on before, and he was like telling us how like the weddings and the events you do, like why are you following the traditions of other people and finding all these things that other people want to do? Like, mm-hmm. what is something specifically about you that speaks to you? Yeah, that other people can now take part in, whether that's your collection of sneakers or whatever the whatever it is like how can we make the wedding a stamp on what you and your significant other's relationship has been and will be yeah and also like how do you want to make it how do you want it to make you feel like you feel you know i feel like when i was putting together our wedding in greece which we had a month to do um i was like i don't want to deal with invitations. We're just going to call people and we're going to tell people word of mouth. Like, so I called my friend Marietta. I said, you tell all of our friends and then you tell all of our friends. And we just like, we did it so casually. Um, and then I was like, I don't want like centerpieces, whatever. Just let's throw some lemons on the table. (laughs) Like, I was like, I don't want, you know, um, I don't want all of these formal kind of things. I just want it like simple and easy because I feel like that's what, maybe not want to have a wedding for so long too was how complicated the process seemed so once I realized that I could take ownership of how I wanted it to be done in a different way and say yeah I don't want all those traditional things I want it to be like this um then things kind of fell into place and then of course you know my dad got involved and there was a horse-drawn carriage (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I kind of just like let everybody do whatever they did. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go for the ride. It's going to be fun. It was kind of a groom and a bride all in one. Um, and I know my situation is a lot different than the average person because, you know, people came together and did something so beyond my, my imagination. Um, I was very lucky for that. So anyhow, uh, good news, weddings, all kinds of things. This was a really beautiful episode. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, if you haven't signed up for Patreon, please do. We do a really cool episode every week there. You can uh, just click the link in the summary and join us at whatever level. Um, of course, Mr. Patreon does show up there and he is a treat. Um, if, uh, if you haven't already set your DVRs to May 17th, um, I believe it's 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, the Beverly Hills Dog Show presented by Purina. I will be there. Tomorrow, we have a very special Mother's Day episode. We are going to be making lemon butter milk pancakes with Miss Giada De Laurentiis. And we're going to um, also unveil my gift guide. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, thank you guys, as always. Hope you had a great day with us and hope the rest of your day is even better. You can follow us at Maria Menounos, at Good News underscore Movement, at Stephen Lemieux Photo, at Jeff Crane Graham. And remember, oh, and at Amanda Joy Photographics. 
for our uh, our beautiful wedding couple. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chilly, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 